As interest in the Legislative Council election begins to hot up, we hear from another wannabe member of LegCo, Tanya August Hansen, MLC. Miss August Hansen was elected to LegCo five years ago, so what has she been doing and why does she think her work warrants another five-year term? I began by asking Tanya about her life before LegCo. I suppose, um, I think, you know, perhaps in this building, in Manx Radio, I'm, I'm probably... Um, better known for having worked there before I moved over to, to, to Timwald and was, was lucky enough to have been elected to Timwald. Um, and I worked as a producer and a broadcast journalist, um, mainly on the Mandate programme, actually, which is what I'd, I'd sort of started um, working on, sort of editing um, and, you know, um, some short documentaries together and, and sort of um, getting sound effects in there, sort of getting the right feel for, um, you know, stories, because obviously um, when it goes out, um, it's it's it needs to have that sort of richness behind it. You don't just want to listen to somebody talking. You want to be able to sort of be be a little bit immersed in what you're listening to because it's the only medium that you're or the only sense that you're using um, with the medium. Presumably, you you understand a lot about how communication works, how how to communicate with uh, with people, uh, which effectively is what a national politician mm. is there to do. Well, I'd done an awful lot of work in um, my first degree was with uh, public relations and marketing. I, I pretty much started working um, as a sort of freelance person in PR and marketing from the day that I actually started my university course back when I was 18. Um, and um, sort of from a bit of a, a startup, created a bit of a mature business when I moved to the Isle of Man and continued that on um, after I'd done my master's degree in international journalism um, and then um, felt that although I was getting um, the, the clients through the door and everything, I wanted to go back to journalism um, because I enjoyed working with people. Um, I enjoyed, um, you know, the stories that people could tell, the, the stories that perhaps they, the opinions and stories that perhaps they didn't even realise that they had. Um, I found it incredibly interesting and it sort of like harked back a little bit in terms of the politics on the Isle of Man. Um, it harked back a little bit to some of the work that I'd done on my marketing course in, in sort of current affairs and, and um, um, political, the political lobbying side of, um, of, of public relations and marketing. So I was very, very interested in all of that. Um, and. Um, the stories that we ran, um, I was given a little bit of an opportunity in the newsroom at Manx Radio. Marion Kenny was my editor at the time, um, and she said that I could have a few days a week to, to just go off and do some investigative journalistic work, which is what I'd sort of been trained in and I was really passionate about. And a few of the stories that we turned over were just, you know, it's that, that sort of um, amazing feeling as a journalist where you sort of want to punch the air because you've, you've just put something out that you're really proud of. Um, and, and I still and get that in politics um, with what I do over over as a parliamentarian in Legislative Council now. And and you were among uh, some pioneers, really. I mean, you were at that rare thing um, when you were elected, a woman in, in Timwood, uh, and then uh, also yeah. a young person. So, uh, uh, you know, two almost unheard of things in, in, in terms of Timwood. But now uh, things are, uh, have changed around quite a lot uh, in, in the, sh the five years that you've been in uh, LegCo. I think probably because um, I sort of shaped my own role um, by consequence to start off with incidentally because when I first um, was was elected um, we'd had a number of conversations about departments I felt quite uncomfortable about joining a department um, but it was suggested to me by the late um, Bill Malarkey he um, he said well 
I tell you what, why don't you come in, learn um, about how government works, how everything sort of knits together um, and come in, and I'll give you responsibility for legislation. Um, so you can do pre-legislative scrutiny on pieces of legislation that need to leave my department. Um, I need somebody with an eye for detail. You've got an eye for detail. So um, let's see how you do. And he sort of gave me a shot and brought me into the department on um, working on the justice piece, which was a, a really large suite of, of legislation that needed to be turned over within that administration so justice reform um, sex offences and I've seen publications domestic abuse um, legislation um, some really sort of meaty subject matter um, quite serious subject matter um, and doing an awful lot of research for those pieces of legislation reading through making sure that they were correct and they were accurate and incidentally it was um it was a real education because um reading legislation and I'll come on to a sort of accessibility a little bit, but in in a second. But the reading legislation is almost kind of like a, a learning a new language, um, learning about the lingo, understanding um, what is meant by this and that, and how a piece of legislation is actually knitted together, how that then knits together across the statute book, and and how it benchmarks against other jurisdictions. Um, but there was a sort of turning tide, I suppose. Um, in, in sort of looking at what they were doing over in Westminster, looking at what they were doing over in Scotland. Scotland were more enabling in their legislative work, whereas um, Westminster, which is sort of the model that we tended to sort of copy, was very prescriptive. Um, Scotland took a much more common sense approach to legislating because they knew that there would be secondary legislation. It's a bit easier to sort of, um, or more flexible actually, um, to to change secondary legislation, even with that approvals process through Timble to make sure the scrutiny's still there. Um, but um, it was it was a, a much more modern way of doing things, and that's how things were sort of like changing towards the start of my term. Um, I've continued on that sort of the same. Um, similar um, pattern of work that I did in Department of Home Affairs. I left after a year, continued on working on legislation for the department, but I didn't want to be under the collective responsibility. So um, took the pay hit and then, um, you know, for that two and a half years and, and basically continued on the work that I was doing with them, but in a different um, in a different way under a, a memorandum of understanding as opposed to a departmental membership. And now I've carried that through to DHSC and, and, and um, Department of Environment, Food and Agriculture in this administration. The distinction between enabling legislation and prescriptive leg- legislation, it's fair to say Attorney General's chambers were, were quite keen on being more and more prescriptive. Safe. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, you've, you've, you've been quite challenging of the Attorney General's Chambers uh, over your time. Um, it, it's fair to say that there may be some in the Attorney General's <laughs> Chambers that will be uh, encouraging uh, MHKs to vote elsewhere. Um, actually, I think I've got a pretty good relationship with the um, with the Attorney General's Chambers. Um, I've got some uh, you know, really strong relationships with a couple of the drafters um, that are in there. Um, I have been a bit challenging at times, yes, um, but I think that's precisely the job, um, and particularly since the start of this administration, because I'm I'm the chair of the Constitutional Legal Affairs and Justice Committee, so um, the scrutiny of the Attorney General's Chambers is precisely in my remit um, as chair of that committee. Um, so I've got the Attorney General, say, for example, he's coming in for an oral evidence session in Timwold um, um, for that committee on, on um, Monday. So we're preparing for that at the moment. Why do you think it is that um, so few people 
uh, outside of um, the the sort of tin wall bubble really understand what what it is that MLCs do, and, or indeed who the MLCs are. Are you are you a little bit shy uh, as as MLCs of coming forward and talking to the media, or is it the other way around? Maybe the media is 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 not as interested as perhaps it needs to be to to allow the public to understand these things. It's a really interesting question. I think it's a bit of both, actually. I think that um, there are members of Legislative Council that have in, in the past been a little bit shy of sort of being accused of, of talking about policy matters, um, which, you know, essentially I believe policy and legislation are sort of intertwined, you know, pre-policy scrutiny, post-policy scrutiny. That is a, an MLC's role to look at those things and make suggestions, not to develop um, and, and sort of decide on policy, in my view. Um, that doesn't That doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. But in my view, it's not um, that's not my role. Um, um, but um, yeah, I think there's a sort of a little bit of a fear of sort of straying too far into the policy arena, which is, of course, the MHK's um, arena. They've been elected to the public uh, by the public to, to, to do exactly that, to decide on, on policy, to decide on the direction of the island in a variety of different ways. But your role in, in LegCo is to, is to occasionally give uh, Key's members a, a, a kind of a... a a slap about the face, a wake-up call, for want of a better word, um, and say, actually, are you sh- are you really sure this is absolutely. the policy direction you want to head in? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We should be challenging um, government. A hundred percent should be challenging government. Um, you know, like I say, pre pre policy scrutiny. So if you're in a department and you're sat around that table, then if things come up, you you should be scrutinising them. They're, that's what you're there for. Um, if you're not there to scrutinise, you're not challenging in that department, and you're not doing the job. Um, but um, then on the other side of the fence for an MLC, in post-policy scrutiny, so once it's no longer emerging policy, and in your sort of in post-policy scrutiny, and your your you're looking at something and seeing whether or not it works and um, does this work correctly should i make a suggestion because i don't feel like it, it's engineered quite right then of course you should be vocal about that absolutely and um, once the direction is decided of course you should be vocal and that's then where we sort of stray into the tim world arena um but um in just answer to, to your first question regarding um whether or not there's an issue with the media Typically, um, you are the first um, person from Manx Radio, our national station, to actually go into Legislative Council and cover the Legislative Council sitting regularly. Um, It's not something that has happened before. And I think it's actually quite important because once that policy has been decided legislatively by the House of Keys, that, that piece of legislation then moves somewhere else. Um, it goes up to that upper chamber. We then have a look at it. A lot of changes have occurred to pieces of legislation because either things have not been thought about um, or, you know, things need to be suggested back down to the House of Keys. Um, you know, amendments are created to legislation. Of course, those amendments go back to the House of Keys and they need to you know, sign off on those. We can't just change legislation that's not that's not something that's open to us to do and very occasionally there is a standoff isn't there between keys and legco where <laughs> uh, keys are not prepared to accept the amendments and, and legco uh, could, could sort of insist that they need to be made ultimately mm. though the keys uh, win, wins out the most interesting standoff i think was with the communications legislation our biggest um our only power legislative council's only power is delay um, so, um, you know, we can delay a piece of legislation for quite some significant amount of time. 
um, and the communications bill regarding the political chairmanship of um, of the communications um, commission at the time. Um, it's now Cura, but it was the communications commission. Um, that um, delayed the bill quite significantly because we were saying, you know, all of industry has said we don't want a political chair. So why are you allowing this to have a political chair um, if every single side of industry that is, is relating to this bill is affected by this bill is saying no. Um, and actually, if you look at other jurisdictions and benchmark that, then you start to see that, yeah. you know, we're falling behind the times with it. And um, so it was a really interesting compromise, actually, to have a non-voting member of Timwald that wouldn't be the chair sat on that board and actually works quite well with Anne Corlett in that role. Um, she does a very, very good job in there and still can then feed, um, you know, information and, and sort of try and... Um, you know, help and lobby for the best interests of that that regulator. Um, she's done a, an extremely good job um, in that role. In it's it's good work, but it's compromise position. In relation to the the the, the whole scrutiny of legislation, I think uh, there are some members, possibly uh, members with maybe not as much experience as uh, as has been in the keys before. In fact, it's fair to say most keys members have, have, have fairly limited experience compared with many of the House of Keys uh, that there have been in the past. That There's a view sometimes that to scrutinise legislation, we need more lawyers in, in, in the Legislative Council. Um, I mean, it is useful to have a lawyer in Legislative Council. Um, Having Jane Paul Wilson in Legislative Council was invaluable. I thought she was a fantastic MLC. Um, we did miss her. Um, we still do miss her. Um, but, you know, we now work with her in a very, very different fashion. Um, but she was extremely useful to Legico. I think that, um, you know, that, that you need a, a wide cross-section um, of, of, of people, all lawyers, I don't think... I don't think that that would work particularly well in my experience. I think, you know, I would say that, of course, <laughs> but um, but I don't think it would work particularly but well it, in it, my experience. It, possibly it's a it's a, you know, a misunderstanding about what the role of of yeah. legislative development is. You know, what you need is the politics, presumably, to to actually identify. Uh, actually, we do need to change this. Understanding about the the politics of a situation mm. is is probably as, as important. Uh, bearing in mind, Parliament pays uh, for lawyers to 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 advise and de- and develop the the legislation in the first place. When when I first um, started working um, in in Legislative Council, I, I joined the um, Commonwealth Association of Legislative Council. That's SEL, not CIL. It's it's um, sort of drafters from all across the Commonwealth. Uh, they bring out a magazine quarterly, and the, the magazine's called Loophole. I'm a bit of a fan of that magazine. Um, and it essentially um, had an article in there not so long ago talking about lawyers and um, whether or not lawyers are um, very, very adept at reading um, legislation or if they would pick out a section of the legislation that relates to whatever um, case they're working on and then not read the rest of the legislation. And this drafter um, wrote the article and it was extremely um, well experienced, both as a lawyer and also as a drafter, was saying and and making a relatively decent argument out of it that actually it's sort of split. You have some people that are um, brilliant at reading legislation, but they will understand sort of like the connection between, you know, a section of legislation or a piece of legislation and how that kind of connects across the piece. And they will sort of like look through a piece of legislation to make sure they understand that section properly. Um, and then you will have others that will pick out that section and only use that section and not look across the the piece. 
when we're talking about legislative council members, and I, when I say that I think that they, you need a bit of a cross-section from society, I think life experience, you're looking at this um, piece of legislation that's been brought before you that will typically have come from a legislative draft have been second-checked by another legislative drafter. You're looking at this piece of legislation and you're looking at, at it differently. So you might be looking at it with experience of having you know, gone through domestic abuse, say, for example, or you might be looking... And so you, you will pick different things out that perhaps um, the drafters hadn't thought about or, you know, when they looked at various different jurisdictions and um, they decided against this bit or that bit because that wasn't necessarily relevant that wasn't in the drafting instructions you will be looking at it very very differently at a different angle because of your life experience and i don't think that it's important um that you have this vast um you know um, legal experience sat behind you what's really important i think is the enthusiasm for looking through a piece of legislation making sure it's right making sure it's engineered correctly um but then also having life experience um, that you can apply to certain pieces of legislation. There will be pieces of social legislation that you will come across that you will have a particular life experience that you can knit to. Um, and then, you know, once you understand and you know how to sort of grapple a piece of legislation and take it or, or understand how to how to read it and then read it again and read it again in various different ways to make sure that it's right, um, then you um, can apply that knowledge and that ability and that skill set to any other piece of legislation like the trust and trustees legislation or like an income tax um, but you have the skill set to apply it to what's what's changed as a result of tanya august hansen being an mlc for the last five years uh, wow that's quite a question i mean when i first started uh working in legco i don't think that i could have ever predicted covid um, could ever have predicted a climate emergency, cost of living crisis, um, energy instability, Brexit. Um, I don't think I could have ever have imagined any, any, you know, that Brexit maybe, but the others, um, you know, can't predict the future. They've had an effect, um, definitely um, with with COVID and and sort of you know the approach behind the scenes. There was so much going on for every parliamentarian that was involved in the response to that um it was a hell of a lot of work it was um it was sort of evenings it was weekends it was it was a lot of work <laughs> and it was really engaging very interesting work but also very stressful at the same time because of the worrying concern for so many people that were affected by it um i've also um you know over that time sort of found myself with a, a very um, not necessarily not over the course of COVID, not just over the course of COVID, but also since 2018, with a, a serious interest in, in in legislation generally. So I've taken sort of a number of courses and 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 tried to sort of learn learn more because <laughs> I don't think that there's ever a point by which um, somebody is a an absolute expert in anything. It is a sort of El Dorado. It's a it's a journey, not the destination. I love doing what i do um i am very very passionate about doing what i do and what i'm also very passionate about um and, and it has changed me quite fundamentally is having my daughter um you know halfway through my term she's basically has um even my work life has, has sort of improved off the back of having her because she i've had to organize things in such a way um that actually it's actually it's it's sort of improved the way that i do things as opposed to anything else i've had to sort of um 
become more effective at my job. What would what would a member of the public notice? Um, but are there any 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 things that are going to change as a result of you being an MLC for the next five years that people will will think? Thanks, Tanya. You've you've sorted that for us. Um, so essentially, um, hopefully, um, the work that that I'm doing over in the Department of Health and Social Care and the work that I'm doing over in the Department of Environment, Food and Agriculture. Um, more health and social care because um you know we've just worked on the the capacity legislation um that was brought from sort of a draft bill and and sort of winged its way through into the branches that took an awful lot of time energy um and effort to get it to where it needed to be before it entered the branches and i was very much engaged in that process with the capacity legislation and then um, i've also been engaged on in working on the whole um suite of legislation the reform legislation for health and social care um, so um, that's with the the um, health and care transformation board so I'm quite engaged in that as well um, so hopefully we can sort of bring those pieces of legislation to the fore and um, before the next um, election next general election um, and before the administration then changes over and, and um, priorities may realign they may not but they may realign you know we've got the um, children and young persons legislation that needs updating um i've completed a private members bill um as well um it's it is in draft form um but i was ready to take that out to public consultation um but thought uh, better of it before um the uh, legco election process because i didn't want to um give any unfair advantage and i wanted to be able to actually speak about um why that had been pulled together it was originally on um the department for health and social care's um legislative program but it was sort of sitting quite low down everything's a priority in there everything is like you know immediately needed but this um this was kind of sat sort of around 2025 um for for um entering into the branches um but i took it um and and um, took it out as it were um and put drafting instructions into the drafter the drafters produced um a a bill um, and, and specifically and this is to achieve what this is the human embryology and yeah. fertilization legislation so what it does um essentially is it sort of um inc- includes sort of things like um, enabling provisions for um surrogacy law and um um, to bring that through into the Isle of Man, which the UK have decided on what they want to do, um, because they're updating theirs at the moment. Um, but then it also, and quite pivotally, provides some degree of parity for, for same-sex couples to register the birth of their children. Um, it also creates a degree of parity um, between mothers and fathers on the Isle of Man as well um, in registering their children. Um, it's that there is an awful lot of work that has gone into that. It's an extremely technical piece of legislation um, that updates that the sort of um, human embryology and fertilisation provisions. Um, it's it's an incredibly important, I feel, piece of legislation. But thankfully, um, the Department of Health and Social Care have agreed to take that legislation. If I don't get um, re-elected, um, that they would take that back in house um, because that draft has been produced but I would quite like to be able to move that forward, having worked on it in the way that I have so closely to it and with the drafter. Um, there's been a lot of targeted consultation that's gone into that as well, um, with general registries, with um, the department itself, with public health um, and others. Um, and yeah, I'd really like to be able to bring that forward um, and also start working on implementation plans for various pieces of legislation Um, including capacity which we've already started moving forward with Um, the adoption work um, over at at, at health and social care the act's been there 
um, but we need to move that forward and we need to actually implement it. Um, so I've been very much engaged in that as well. Um, there's, a, there's an awful lot of pieces of legislation that I'm quite involved in and um, that I, I hope to um, people will actually be able to benefit from down the line um, in the way that perhaps they will do with um, you know my work on domestic abuse and sex offences and not just my work but the work of the officers that were involved and also the other um, um, parliamentarians that, that worked on those things with me. That was LegCo wannabe Tanya August Hansen MLC. We'll be giving all the LegCo candidates an opportunity to talk to Agenda, so if you know of any, please let me know. Let me know your thoughts on the programme by contacting philgorn at manxradio.com and get in touch if you have any ideas for future shows. Don't forget this programme is available as a podcast on Manx Radio's website. For now, though, I'm Phil Gorn. Goromayo. Thanks for listening.